Hi, folks, this is Bud Hughes, and it's time to raise the door on another edition of Bud's Garage. Hang on, you're now part of the fastest hour in radio, presented by Complete Auto Parts and Oakwood Tire and more. Locally owned family businesses with over 120 years of combined experience. CarQuest nationally branded auto parts and warranties, and Oakwood Tire's wide selection of the best tire brands available. Local professionals to help you find the parts or tires you need, help you get them installed, and back on the road with a smile. Find out more at completeautoparts.net or oakwoodtire.com. On today's show, PRN's Doug Turnbull explains the NASCAR round of eight. IMSA driver Andrew Davis joins us, and how many miles should a new car have on it? All that and a whole bunch more informative automotive buffoonery with Bud and Tim, right now on North Georgia's News Talk, WDUN. Welcome in, folks. This is Bud Hughes, resident car nut, and Timothy Pasquale, a poster to the stars, need I even ask? Hey, Bud, how are you today? <laughs> I'm doing great. I was going to ask you what you did last week. Well, I was mowing. Mowing. Okay, <laughs> never mind. It's fun, Bud. Do you have any cow- cows? No, I got chickens and goats. We don't have a cow yet. When you do, then you'll be able to be mooing and mowing. Mooing and, and mowing. mowing. That's, that's utter nonsense. Ah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> utter nonsense. Okay. Secret Santa Car Show. Got to yeah. tell you about it. It was a great show. Almost 250 cars. Wow. Uh, raised pretty close to 15 grand, which is uh, a Christmas for 120 kids well that's awesome and uh if you want to help shop for the kids the saturday before thanksgiving mm-hmm. um the folks will meet you uh the folks that are going to do the shopping i'll get you some more information on this uh are going to meet at uh, the walmart in oakwood okay and they give you a list and the, the the sizes and the age of the the child and uh you know you buy accordingly Mm-hmm. And they get they get some they get some clothes they get some uh, hygiene products they get toys you know age age appropriate stuff. yeah right but uh, you know they're they're kids that wouldn't have that without the, right. this show uh, most spectators I've ever seen at the show mm-hmm. Rick Humphrey Road Atlanta president he's there right he's collecting there. tickets wow you know, and, and doing his thing uh, it, it was just great uh, great food sold out and they had to go get more food and. Uh, it, it, it was just great. Now, if you have a, if you have children that live in Oakwood, and uh, you want to, uh, you know, help them out for Christmas, you go to WeCare.com. Uh, Oakwood Elementary or younger kids in in Oakwood, um, I'm sorry, elementary school or younger kids, everybody's lives in Oakwood. Okay. okay. So just go to WeCare and and check it out, and then you can maybe. You know, show up at Walmart Saturday before Thanksgiving, and I've done that a few times, and it is fun. Oh, I bet it's it's fun. We, uh, you know, you just you just feel so good because you're you're helping out. So right, going on right now is Northeast Georgia Swap Meet. They've, uh, they're ending up their three day swap meet, and I would imagine I was talking to Brad. You know, instead of wrapping up at noon or one or something, he says the three day typically winds down about four o'clock. Mm-hmm. So you'll still be able to get out of there and. Step oh, right. in and, and get another five, six hours of uh, watching racing at Motul Petit Le Mans. Sure. Yeah, Road Atlanta, Michelin, Michelin Raceway, Road Atlanta. I bet there will be some bargains at the swap meet. Uh, yeah, on the last day. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, i gotta, I got to run something by you. I was talking about my birthday last week, and I, I gave everybody the wrong date. I, you know, I was, it's, it's the magazine's fault. Uh-huh. All the car magazines. I think I'm getting, you know, December car magazines now. 
Yeah. And I had lost track of my date. My my birthday was this past Thursday, not last Thursday. Oh. It was Columbus Day. Okay. Which is now Indigenous People Day or yeah, something. Yeah, again. Come on. Jeez. Well, and, well but, happy but birthday, bud. Oh, oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, 28 years old, uh, counting backwards from 100. Uh, but I got nothing on this astronaut, private astronaut, who turned 73, mm-hmm. uh, Larry Connor, who was... Uh, one of the first crew members on the first private astronaut mission to the International Space Station. Uh, he was part of the Alpha 5 team that set a new mark for the highest halo. Now, halo means high-altitude, low-open formation skydive. Um, on, this happened last week, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, in the skies over New Mexico, him and four U.S. Air Force specialists leapt from a balloon that was 38,000 feet in the air. That, that's that's just incredible. In the speed that they were dropping, 100, 189 miles an hour before separating and deploying their parachutes with 4,000 feet above the ground. 4,000 feet, I that's a little less than a mile. And uh, I mean, man, I, I just can't even conceive. Uh, it was a 115 foot tall balloon, built as the largest in the United States. Uh, it was built in Bristol. Bristol, the English city of Bristol, mm-hmm. and uh, the skydivers landed r- roughly 14 miles from their launch site. But it was a fundraising goal of a million dollars for the Special Operations Warrior Foundation, which provides services to families and children of Special for- Forces members that have been killed in combat, as well as wounded service members. So okay. Well, raised a million dollars. Wow. I don't know. What you'd have to do to me <laughs> to get me ju- to jump out of a balloon? Yeah, you'd have to push thirty-eight thousand. Well, to feet. get me even in the balloon. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's something. Here's I, I talked to quite a few police officers at the Secret Santa show. I got mm-hmm. slammed by a few folks for my uh, my own ticket that I got years ago. That was Johnny O'Connell's fault. Uh, I'll explain uh-huh. that on another day. Uh, and, uh, you know, the off, most of the officers agreed that we don't take seriously uh, our, our driving because we don't know what we don't know. We don't know vehicle dynamics, rate of speed, unless you've been to formal schools on that stuff. Yeah. Now, you know, driver's ed, I took driver's ed, you took driver's ed when you were a kid probably. Mm-hmm. You know, that was basic rules of the road stuff that right. they could teach you in the classroom. We're going to have Woodrow Gaines in here from TVOC, mm-hmm. uh, the teen vehicle uh, operations course. Okay. And uh, here's here's one thing that that I think is important, that I think the parents should take the driving schools with the children, mm-hmm. with, the, with the, the young right, adult. Right. Not with them in the car, mm-hmm. but they should take them to another part of the track or whatever yeah. and have the parents do the same thing the kids are doing so they can compare notes at the end of the day. Sure. Because it's my contention that a lot of the parents can't drive, so how are the kids going to learn? Right. Well, and, you know, this is National Teen Driver Safety Week. Well. And... I, I did a little bit of a deep dive. You know, you can go. I've taken the National Safety Council's defensive driver course twice, once while I was in the military mm-hmm. and once when I was driving tractor trailer right. for the company. Um, they say that they make people make six deadly choices in fatal accidents. And the first is speeding, then right of way violations, oh, yeah. distracted driving, going left of center, making improper turns and following too closely. So no drafting, no drafting. No well, drafting. It's, hey, it's called pay attention to your driving. Yeah. Well, education's uh, going to be a big part of it, and uh, mm-hmm. I think that's what it's going to take. 
down the road for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, restoring a classic muscle car? Where are you going? The muscle car experts at Year One in Cornelia, Georgia, who provide our podcast so that if you miss any of this great information, you can go to Access WDUN, click the links and hit the buttons and listen to the show at your convenience or go to your favorite podcast site and listen to the show anytime you want. Brought to you by the great folks at Year One. All right. We'll be right back talking to our NASCAR guy, Doug Turnbull, from uh, Performance Racing Network, and he's going to tell us all about the round of eight. Okay. All right. Don't go away. We'll be right back here at Bud's Garage on North Georgia's News Talk. WDUN. Welcome back into Bud's Garage, presented by all three locations of Complete Auto Parts and Oakwood Tire and more. Hometown people working together to bring you the best parts, tires, service, and repairs. Well, this past weekend was uh, pretty exciting in NASCAR land. We had a big race at the Charlotte Roval, and the only guy I know to call about, to call and get the information about not only the Charlotte Roval, but about what's going on in NASCAR and the finals and all that stuff, is our guy, PRN reporter, Doug Turnbull. Doug, welcome back into Bud's Garage. It's so good to be in with both of y'all at Bud's Garage today. I'm so glad to talk about it with you. I wish I wish I could have been at the Roval this past weekend, but my brother got married, Stephen and Aaron. They got uh, married in Hilton Head, and so I'm so happy for them. And I had to miss the Charlotte Roval to go to that. But uh, I think, honestly, lifetime event, one of the best nights of my life. So hey, I was excited to listen to PRN call the Roval race on my drive back to Atlanta from Hilton Head Island and then watch the very end on TV, too. Very exciting. Yeah, it was a very exciting race. How, how that, that race has been going on for six or seven years, right? Since 2018, yeah, and they had an epic beginning to it. That was the race where Jimmy Johnson, trying to get his first win of the 2018 season, uh, spun out Martin Truex Jr. in the front stretch chicane, and Brian Blaney squeaked through to win and get into the next round of the playoffs. And in that race, too, Kyle Larson used up Jeffrey Earnhardt on the last lap to get in by one point or get in with a tiebreaker with Jimmy Johnson into the playoffs. If Johnson hadn't gone for that win five years ago, he actually would have made it to the round of eight, and instead Larson got in. It was so freaking exciting, and I really enjoyed getting to call that one on PRN. And, and the subsequent ones after, too, in varying levels of excitement. Now, how has the attendance been over the past six years? Does it keep growing and growing? Because this is one of those races where you can see the whole track, a road race. It's incredible that you can see it from the grandstands. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know exactly because they don't release those numbers. I will say just when I saw the very end of the race at A.J. Allmendinger going into victory lane in this year's edition of the Roval, that looked like a pretty packed house. I'm sure it wasn't sold out per se. I didn't ever hear that it was sold out. But there were a lot of people there. Pleasant weather, a little bit crisp, and just with the playoffs and everything on the line. And I just say, you know, I think it's, people are going to remember it fondly because a non-playoff driver who is fighting for his future in the Cup Series, A.J. Allmendinger, went to victory lane. Well, uh, the, the thing that I was wondering about, has, has the last year they didn't use the playoff system in, in, in this race, didn't they? They didn't use the stage system. They did, system. yeah. They, every they did. year this race has been in the second round of the playoffs, and it's been an elimination race. Uh, for a couple of years too, or, or maybe not. Has it been? Has it been the elimination race every year? But it's been in the playoffs every single time. But yes. didn't last year they didn't use the stages, did they? They just ran the race. I thought. Oh, well, no. Last year they used the stages, but in other road course races this season they didn't have stage breaks. They okay. didn't have stage okay. yellows. All right. Because they were because people were flipping the stages and choosing whether to stay out or not and get points. 
And then they brought the stage, the road course yellows back for this version of the Roble because the road courses have run green so much because the cars are so stuck to the track and it's hard to pass and kind of hard to spin out, basically. So they brought the yellows back for this race, and you saw a lot of that strategy in Saturday and Sunday's races where drivers were trying to choose, do I stay out and get stage points and help my playoff chances but then restart back in traffic because everyone's pitted behind me? And that's, that's exactly what you saw factor into the equation Sunday. And A.J. Allmendinger seemed to rise above all of that and get his first win this season, his first win in two years, and his third in his cup career. Hmm. Interesting stuff. Doug, how many years has NASCAR had this playoff system, and has it improved or hurt the fan base? <laughs> I think it depends which part of the fan base you ask. So they have had some form of playoffs since 2004, back when it was called the Chase. In 2014, they introduced the knockout rounds where 16 drivers made the playoffs and four were eliminated after each race. In 2017, NASCAR introduced to all races stage breaks where points were awarded for how you finished in the stage and a playoff point that you could carry all the way through to the end of the season was awarded if you won a stage. They also award five playoff points if you win a race. So stage breaks and, and the green checkered flag, if you will, have existed since 2017. This version of the playoffs has existed since 2014. Now, the, the stage racing, I think, uh, really mud, muddied up this race, I think. There, there was a uh, time when Chase Elliott was way ahead of things, and I don't know. Do you think the stage system is, you know, with the planned cautions, with the new car, do you think it's run its course? Well, the stage points were still going to remain. So they were still, you, you still had to choose when to pit, you know, and, and when the stage break was. However, since you didn't have a planned caution, people were just going to pit after the stage was over, right, yeah. because they had enough fuel to do that. I wish that they would adjust the size of the fuel tanks to where maybe you couldn't last a whole stage or something like that. So everybody was forced to pit. Uh, but the other issue is, is whether you have stage cautions or not. Whether you have stage cautions or not, right. they need to fix the Gen 7, that's the only run in the Cup Series, the next gen, Gen 7 race cars platform on road courses and short tracks, and really on super speedways, the drafting tracks too, because it is so, so hard for them to pass. And if you get mired in traffic, if you choose a strategy where I'm going for the race win, I'm giving up stage points, you're doing that so you can start up front at the beginning of the next stage. Right. If you choose a I'm going for I need these points strategy, you're giving up a track position and you'll restart that next stage 28th or something. And then it's just hard to organically race from 28th into the top 10 with this package, no matter unless you have a superior, superior car, which A.J. Allmendinger did. Chase Elliott did. He rebounded from a cut tire to finish 10th. Right. And Kyle Larson had a car like that, too, maybe. So the round of eight. Doug, what is it? It's the eight remaining drivers out of the 16 that began NASCAR's playoffs. Uh, and so it's drivers that either had enough points to advance to the next round, and part of what influences your amount of points is by how many playoff points you accrued, which are bonus points basically during the regular season that are added to your total and that stay with you through the whole playoffs. And it's the eight drivers that remain, and also you can guarantee yourself into the next round if you win a race. So just less than two weeks ago in Talladega, Ryan Blaney, who was way down in the points but in the playoffs, won Talladega to get into the round of eight, which moved the cut line down and made it tough for Ross Chastain, Kyle Busch, and others to not advance. Do you think, uh, you know, Martin Truax got in by the skin of his teeth, but do you think that the yeah. regular the regular season champion should automatically advance to the round of uh, 
you know, to the round of eight? No. Okay. I just no, thought, no, yeah. because Ryan, Martin Truex essentially guaranteed he advanced to the round of eight by winning the regular season championship. Martin Truex Jr. got 15 bonus points for finishing first in the points after 26 races. And then you add the other playoff points he got for winning stages and races. I don't know how many that is exactly. Somewhere around 30 playoff points. But that 30 extra points, he has not had a top 15 finish in the playoffs yet at six races. Right. And he is still entering the round of eight, 15 points to the good on the cut line. And I don't know after Charlotte where he finished above the cut line, but he's run poorly, poorly for these six races, and yet is still getting into basically the semifinal round of NASCAR's playoffs. Okay, no pressure here. Who's going to be the uh, 2023 champion? I, I, <laughs> William Byron is the one that's running the best. Yeah. Right. All right. William, so, I mean, it's like – I, anything could happen. You can go to Phoenix and cut a tire and hit the wall. Chase Elliott got spun at Phoenix by Ross Chastain last year in a restart, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it, whether he would have won or not, doesn't matter. He, that, that ended his chance to do it. But Joey Logano ran poorly most of last season, but caught fire a little bit in the playoffs, won the Vegas race, got to basically skip the last two races before Phoenix and just work on the Phoenix car, and then went to Phoenix, and he and Ryan Blaney killed everybody there, right? So... That's, you know, that's what happened last year. As far as this year, William Byron is on a heater. He has, he has won, he won Texas. I think he was runner-up at Talladega, runner-up at the Roval. He has just won consistently well all year. He leads the Cup Series and wins. I think you can almost stamp him in to be at least one of the championship board Phoenix. Oh, by the way, he won Phoenix back in March. Oh, all right. You, <laughs> hey, you know, it's hard to bet against him. But Denny Hamlin has also run remarkably consistent despite a bad finish in the Roval. And I would think... Byron and Hamlin have to be the favorites. But, again, you put four drivers up for one race at Phoenix and tell them whoever finishes ahead is the champion, anything can happen. One bad pit stop, ask Martin Truex at Homestead in 2021, one bad pit stop, and it's curtains. Yep. You know, so it's, it's anything can happen. All right. Our, our man, our NASCAR man, uh, Performance Racing Network, Doug Turnbull. Got that all out. <laughs> and Five right. to Go podcast uh, host, uh, how can folks keep up with you? Yeah, for sure. I, I was, the Five to Go podcast is up on goprn.com and my home radio station, wsradio.com, and all the pod catchy, snatchy places. And then, uh, and then follow me on X at Doug Turnbull or Instagram Fireball Turnbull. Those are the best places to get racing content and any of my traffic content, too. That's my full-time job, traffic reporter and the sky copy there. So I definitely... Uh, would love to interact with you and many of you all around. As you hear this at Petite Le Mans today, I'll be, I'll be there at least through the opening stages of that race. So send a message there, and hopefully you can be Bud and me somewhere. All right, good deal. Thank you, Doug, and we'll be back with you when it's time to come in and do a podcast with us. That sounds good. All right, we'll be right back here at Bud's Garage on North Georgia's News Talk, WDUN. Welcome back into Bud's Garage, presented by Oakwood Tire and More, and all three locations of Complete Auto Parts, Cornelia, Clarksville, and Gainesville. Shop, garage, or driveway, we have the parts, tires, and professional advice to help you get the job done right. All right, Tim, well, we've gone from Performance Racing Network's Doug Turnbull mm-hmm. telling us all about NASCAR. Right. Next up is Andrew Davis. He is a IMSA-winning race car driver. And he's been on the show with us before. He's going to come in and do a podcast with us, and we're going to learn all about Andrew Davis. But right now, I want him to 
talking a little bit about uh, Petit Le Mans. So, Andrew, welcome into Bud's Garage. Hey, Andrew. Uh, hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me back again. I know it's been a little while, but uh, yeah. always, always, yeah. always fun. You no, know, you're out there earning a living, and we're just goofing off, you know. So <laughs> you literally grew up at Road Atlanta. Tell us about your early racing days. I did. You know, it really it's really home for me. And, I mean, home in a lot of ways, not only physically, but, you know, emotionally as well. So I, I grew up at Road Atlanta I was probably about four years old the first time I went there on my dad's shoulders for, I think, what was the final Can-Am race, which was around, like, 1981. And then uh, my father raced uh, SCCA. He drove uh, an F-Production MG Midget. So he raced that for years and years and then moved on to a, uh, a Sports 2000, a Lola Sports 2000, and ran that in the latter part of his, his driving career. And then that uh, it also molded over or meshed in with the beginning of my driving career. But So in all that time, you know, Road Atlanta is our home track. We grew up in Lowburn, Georgia. So we would drive up not only for all my dad's SCCA races through the years, but also all the runoffs all the Camel GT races, the Trans Am series that came through. So I'm this, this little five-year-old, six-year-old kid hanging on the fence at turn 12 watching all these just heroic efforts and, and uh, you know, legendary drivers and cars spitting out, uh, you know, flames and, you know, chirping with wastegates opening up and, their, and the turbos, the 962s, and just, you know, just Im- immersed in the visceral, you know, feeling of motorsports and Road Atlanta in general. So it's, it's a place that, uh, you know, I love dearly forever. When was the first time you turned laps at Road Atlanta, and what type of car were you in? Yeah, that's a great question, and that brings back some cool memories, too. So as, a, as that five-year-old kid, I was very, very patient because I had to wait until basically I was uh, 18 uh, to, uh, to be able to, to get a, a, driving, a racing driving license. So as a very patient child, I would sit there. I remember when I was finally old enough to get into the grid so I could stand there next to my dad's car. I kept having to wait for these, like, age, you know, hurdles to come along so I could get in different locations at the track, but always wanting to get out there on the racetrack. So my very first laps that I ever cut were actually with the Skip Barber Driving School. It was my senior year in high school. That was my graduation gift from my folks and uh, so it was actually in a, in a Formula Ford, a little Skip Barber um, uh, uh, Formula Ford car. And, you know, it was, it was a surreal experience. But, you know, the funny thing was, Bud, is I knew the track so well from watching it from every possible angle and watching all these pros drive and listening to my dad talk. And it's like I instantly knew where I was and what to do. So I was immediately at home with with that car, and then with every car I've ever been in at Road Atlanta since. So, uh, but that Skip Barber Driving School is a three day school. Is something I'll, I'll never forget uh, any any moment in that program. It was uh, you know just a dream come true at the time. So when you when you drove the first time there, had the track been reconfigured with the 10A 10B chicane that's in there now? It had not, and I'm very, very, you know, happy that I was able to experience the original configuration with the dip that we called it. Um, so my first two years of racing, uh, really year and a half of racing, were with the original configuration. So I probably raced there maybe three times, and then uh, you know did several track days in that Skip Barber School where you know we still uh, still came down there, and I think they also called it Gravity Cavity. It was uh, <laughs> it was a much different, uh, much much different uh, uh, you know configuration as you came down the back straight and it went down into this uh, very low dip and then back up, and it actually put you in a brake zone and then a, a, a release of the brake, an early turn-in, and you actually apexed at the abutment of the bridge there on the right, and then that would shoot you out over to the left side of the track coming down the hill. So it was, it was a surreal also, and, uh, but I was really glad that I was able to, 
to experience that part of the track. I do love the new configuration. I think they did a really good job of, of bringing in the 10A, 10B, uh, you know, chicane there, which added a, actually a more, you know, a, a more suitable brake zone. So it added the racing element in, back into the track because it's a very fast track, so it's kind of hard to pass. It gives you that element of passing. It also, uh, they just did a good job, and, and it was for safety as well. So uh, this long, I've, I've gone this long in motorsports. Safety is very important. I thought Road Atlanta did a great job of not taking away from the character of the track, you know, taking away a pretty dangerous little section there and adding in something that just added something new to the track. Well, yeah, you still, well, when you come under the bridge, you're still flying blind. I mean, you oh, yeah. until you yeah. get out from under the bridge, you don't know what what awaits you. <laughs> That's right, yeah. So it, it didn't, you know, you didn't lose that kind of blind element, which brings so much excitement. It's just, uh, it's a little straighter shot under the bridge. So there's a few elements that make that exit out from under the bridge a little safer than the old configuration as well. So, For sure. But yeah, you still, yeah, you still get this, that element of the, the blind corners, not only there in 11, but also in, uh, in turn three as well. It's pretty exciting. So how did you get into pro racing as a career? Yeah, that, uh, you know, it's so many, so many different and meandering directions to make it happen. Uh, you know, as I was saying, I grew up, you know, at that road Atlanta and, and loving everything motorsports and following my dad around the southeast for all the SCCA stuff. And then uh, went to school at University of Georgia just up the road. And, uh, and at that time, I was starting to race on my own also in SCCA also, starting in Sports 2000s and then into Formula Continental and then the USF 2000 series. And the whole time I was doing that, I was finishing up school. And in my junior, into my junior year, senior year, I actually applied and got a job at the Panos Racing School, right, which you know about. And that started my instructing, um, instructing career and put me out there kind of realizing, wait a minute, you know, there's there's elements to this motorsport industry where you can earn a living as a driver or maybe as a coach or maybe as a something, you know, I started seeing the different, more, you know, cross-functional view of the sport. And it, it awarded me a chance to just kind of say, all right, look, I'm going to, when I graduated from UGA, I told myself, I was like, I'm going to give myself two years and to, to kind of make this dream of being a race car driver work. And, and after two years, if I'm, not earning any money or not earning enough or I'm doing way worse than I would if I got a, a real job, I'll say in quotation marks, then I was going to make the jump and say, okay, well, I need to go do something for real and I can try and earn some, some money and I'll come back and waste it in uh, motorsports. But instead, you know, it was uh, it was looking good and I was able to find some, some uh, you know, contacts. And, and my first actual pro race was the 2001 Daytona 24 Hours and uh, I was sitting there on the grid in a uh, in an open top prototype car, an LOP six seventy five car. I think it was called an SRP two car at the time. So it happened very fast, and it was just a lot of you know relationship building. Some people I met in F two thousand that wanted to give me a shot, and uh, you know every time I got that shot behind the wheel, I made sure that I did my part to make good on it, so I could impress and try and move forward. So I'm not sure that same formula would work today for the young drivers that I train. But uh, back then, you know, there was a lot of people that would take chances on you and team owners that would give you a shot or hire you even. Right, right. Well, your first Petit Le Mans now, what was that like and what were you driving there? Yeah, so that's interesting. So as I just mentioned, my first 24 hours of Daytona was the, uh, was the 2001 version of that race with uh, Archangel Motorsports and an SRP2 Lola B2K40 was the chassis. And that same car also ran in American Le Mans. So also in 2001, I kind of bookended the season. That was my first Petit Le Mans in the exact same car that I drove at Daytona. So uh, just a couple, you know, 
changes that you could make, but the car was able to run in both series. So my first petite was 2001 um, with, a, with a friend named uh, Jason Workman and another uh, English friend named Ben Devlin, and the three of us took, uh, took charge of that car and ran. And, it, again, it was just like I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe I was racing it you know, in the biggest race at my home track. And we actually were standing on the podium in second place at the end of that race. Fantastic. And I still uh, I still it's it's just unbelievable how all that worked. But you know, at that point in time then I was hooked. I was like, This this is me. I'm doing this. I remember holding <laughs> on to that trophy and I, I still have the trophy, it's inside of me right now. I was holding on to that trophy so hard, I like you could not have got that out of my hand after that race. I think I held it for like I might have gone to sleep with it that night. I just couldn't believe it. It was amazing. <laughs> so what is your role in this year's Petit Le Mans? Yeah, so you know, I, you know, I've, I've been at this for so long. I think I've you know, been you know, you know a, a, a member of the motorsport community for 25 years as a, as a professional, uh, you know, but and not counting all those years as a kid that I was telling you guys about. So, so this year, unfortunately, I wasn't able to find a ride. Um, you know, last year I wasn't in the big race either, but I did run with McCann Racing in their uh, Porsche in the uh, GS race, the, the Michelin Pilot Sport Challenge race. It's on the, the day before, but this year I'm just doing some coaching. Uh, you know, I've got a long-term relationship with Kelly. Moss Racing, and uh, I'll be coaching uh, one of their drivers in a Porsche Cayman in the VP Challenge, which is one of the support series races, and helping out some others. And uh, you know, there to, uh, to 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 provide my uh, my guidance as a coach. And uh, you know, a lot of networking goes on this last bit of the race. You know, this is what we call silly season; it's kind of in full swing. So, I've got some meetings and some people to chat about to try and see what uh, what my future holds next year. But, uh, but I'll be on the ground there helping some other drivers, uh, you know, hopefully uh, reach their goals and meet some of their dreams this weekend. How can folks keep up with Andrew Davis Racing? Yeah, the best way really is my Instagram page. I'm terrible at social media, but uh, I try as hard as I can. So I'll post stuff on my Instagram page. That's Andrew Davis Racing. Um, also on Facebook, Andrew Davis Racing. You can find me there. And then uh, Twitter or X or whatever it's called, I think it's at Andrew Davis. 59 and that 59 is uh, luckily not my age no offense to anybody that's that <laughs> age, but <laughs> you know, I'm, i am working that way though but uh, the 59 is uh is uh, the significance there is my brumos relationship with the famous 59 who uh, drove with brumos racing for years so so yeah the, the x account or i'm gonna keep going on twitter unless i get in trouble for that so it's at andrew davis 59 but instagram and facebook i post the most on well, Andrew Davis, uh, look forward to having you on the podcast so we can go along I can't wait. for a, a long discussion here. And uh, uh, thank you for taking the time to be with us today on Bud's Garage. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you. We'll be right back here at Bud's Garage on North Georgia's News Talk. WDUN. Don't go away. Welcome back in to Bud's Garage, presented by Complete Auto Parts and Oakwood Tire and More. Nationally backed CarQuest branded parts and the best national tire brands to keep you rolling down the highway. Well, Tim, when we were talking about mooing and mowing, I lost my train of thought there. But I, I did mm-hmm. want folks to know that last weekend I detailed my truck like I told you. Oh, good. Took it to extreme clean auto spot, cleaned uh-huh. the outside, brought it right. home, took the seats out, and, you know. You took the seats out? <laughs> yeah, I know. Bud. I know, I know, I know. I know. Actually, I just, I just took the driver's seat out and some trim panels because mm-hmm. I had to fix a little backup alarm that I've got. The, the stick on the back of it fell down. It was close to the, uh, close to the recoil thing on my seat belt. Uh-huh. So I took that part of the truck apart. Okay. Stuck it back up. Do you have like a, one of those backup beepers? Yeah, it's a, it, I added it on because my truck didn't have it. Mm-hmm. And when I changed the bumpers, it had holes for a system. 
Yeah. And I didn't have a system, so I had to put the computer and everything in the truck. And some people must freak out when they uh, hear that. No, and then I, I only hear it. In, no, it's not. It's oh, not. Oh, it's a, not like no, a, it's just a beep 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 thing that you hear inside oh, the truck. Oh, okay, okay. And so actually, I could put sensors on the front of the truck. I haven't done that yet, mm. but I've got more circuitry. Oh wow! Okay, you know when I have time. Yeah, to, you surely you want to use that. Spare you've time. Got <laughs> hey, circuitry. you know this is something that's got nothing to do with anything. Okay, okay. necessarily. But uh, when we had a we had a guest on here talking about first responders and stuff, mm-hmm. and I I don't remember where the idea came from, but how do you, how do you have Jody listed in your phone? Not a trick question. Jody's um, Jody is Tim's Jody. wife. Yeah. What do you got? You just Jody. got Jody. Jody. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I got Jan in my phone. Yeah. And every time I say call Jan, it calls a different Jan than I know. So anyway, what what. This this uh, this was from a first responder that says if you have your wife or your husband's name in your phone, mm-hmm. you should indicate that they are your husband or your wife. Oh, okay. Because if a first responder is looking at your phone, it's just a name. Right. But like I changed my, I've got Jan, my mm-hmm. wife, right, in my phone now, and she's got okay. Bud, her husband, in her phone. Right. Just a safety tip. So I should take the word supervisor off and change it to wife. Yeah, your wife, yeah. Yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> wife, right goddess of the house, all those other things that you <laughs> yeah. have. Just make sure that a first responder could tell that that is your all wife right. or your husband. Okay. All right. That's a very good tip there, bud. Well, I, I thought it was. It's mm-hmm. one of those simple things you never think about. Well, but, sure. You know. um, anyway, how many miles should a new car have on it? Have you ever thought about that? Well, that's a very interesting question because you would think that if you're purchasing a new car, it shouldn't have maybe 15 or 20 miles, or maybe if it's had a test drive or two, maybe 50 miles. But, you know, when I bought my new Dodge Challenger in 2015 from our local dealer, Mm -hmm. um, it had 180 miles on it. Right. And then I, I researched, not until after I had bought the car, that it had been on the lot for about eight months. So it got drove a lot. So it got yeah, driven a lot. It got driven a lot. It got molested a lot, I'm thinking. <laughs> was a challenger. Yeah, it was a challenger uh, with a, a manual ch- transmission. Yeah, no, there so, you go. You know, so but, what are you going to Actually, in California, if it's got more than 1,500 miles on it, it's not a new car anymore. Well, heck no. But most cars uh, should have less than 10 miles on them. Mm-hmm. Now, some specialty cars, like my Corvette, I remember years ago when I bought the Z06, you know, they take those out on a test track and run some laps and stuff on them and yes. shake them down a little okay. bit. So it's not unusual, even with a museum delivery on something like that, mm-hmm. it might have 25 or 30 miles on it. Right. Because, you know, if they want to take and it out. I would suggest it. if you're buying a new muscle car uh, and it's got a few miles on it, you might want to take a tread depth uh, meter with you. And check the tread depth <laughs> on all the tires and see if the rear ones have well, a lot less. I, I hadn't thought about that. Well, I hadn't either until I had to buy rear tires. Oh, <laughs> rear tires. Imagine <laughs> that. Imagine that. Well, speaking of tires, how, how are your tires looking on your vehicles? Well, actually, I need to go by and see Mike Robertson at Oakwood Tire because I need to get some tires for my daughter's Mazda. Okay. Well, this is a good time to do it. You know why? Why? Because they have tire specials. Oh. $100 back on Cooper Tires. Wow. It's a tire rebate. Mm-hmm. And they have uh, specials on Bridgestone and Firestone. And I'll tell you what, the Cooper Tires, I'm a, I'm a big believer in Cooper Tires. I had them on, yeah. my, my, on my little uh, 
Ranger that I had, mm -hmm. I could not wear those things out. Really? Yeah. I just kept them rotated, which Mike will do for you. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, it's, they have a, a lot of specials going on right now. So check out their website, oakwoodtire.com. And it's got, you know, what tires are available. Mm -hmm. Now, the Coopers that they've got on, they've got some specials on Coopers that they don't usually have specials on. And there's, I'm not going to name them all off because there's a bunch of them. Okay. But you can you can search each kind of tire for your particular vehicle, mm -hmm. and it'll come up and tell you how much it is. And an extra 15 bucks per tire gets you, you know, countrywide um, warranty on the tires if you have a problem and you're out in California or something. And um, bring the bring the receipt back to Mike; he'll take care of you on it. So a lot of good things going on there. And when they're putting your tires on your car, you know. They're going, to, they're going to suggest you get it aligned. I suggest that, too, oh, to get maximum yeah. wear out. But they're going to put eyes on everything under the car, mm -hmm. and that's very important. Okay. So check them out at oakwoodtire.com. When I was, uh, one thing I was doing when I detailed my truck, we were talking earlier in the segment, mm -hmm. I did get a cabin air filter for it. Oh, good for yeah, you, bud. Uh, well, I, I've got the oil and everything at Complete Auto Parts, mm -hmm. and I said, you know, Give me the cabin air filter, and I found it and put it in. And so I bet it was the old one was probably covered with, nothing growing with in it. Uh, yeah. Molly's dog hair, right? No, not too bad. Not too bad. Not too bad. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the 306-cylinder. Yeah. All right, uh, Ford engine. Mm -hmm. uh, Ford has actually got the 10 best, uh, a 10 best list of Ford engines for getting over 500,000 miles. Okay. Yeah. So... I'm gonna I'm gonna read them off real quick okay. because we could really go deep on this. Mm -hmm. We don't we don't need to go that deep. No, on no, no. But uh, you do you want to start with the uh, with yeah, some sure. of the engines? The uh, three point five. Because I lost my page. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, here you can share mine. Okay, the, all right. The three point five liter EcoBoost V6 um, with how many horsepower? Is well, that? and, and Six, it's maximum maximum six hundred and sixty right. horsepower. Three hundred uh, three hundred cubic inch that we talked about before. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, it was one hundred and fifty horse. The one we talked about was a little over five hundred with a turbo on it and right. rods. But uh, four four point six mod engines, the five five O Coyote engine, the five four modular mm -hmm. engine, uh, three fifty one Windsor. Oh. Back in the day, it was 300 horsepower, 351 cubic inch Cleveland V8. Mm -hmm. Maximum power was 300 back then. Uh, the 390 FE uh, V8, 6.7 power stroke, and the 460, which I'd forgotten about. Right. Uh, Lima uh, plant engine. Uh, that was in the big Mercury. I'm, things I'm like that. surprised the, the 6.8 liter V10 isn't on there because that's a really good engine. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a mod engine too, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Right, right, right. Well, but I noticed my... El Explodo is is not on that list. <laughs> right here. El Explodo. All right. Need an engine for your classic muscle car? Where are you going, Tim? Well, you're going to the muscle car experts at year one in uh, Cornelia, Georgia, who provide our podcast so that if you miss any of this great information, you can go to XSWDUN, click the links, hit the buttons, and listen to the show at your convenience. Or you can go to your favorite podcast site and listen to the show anytime you'd like. Brought to you by the great folks at year one, the muscle car experts. Absolutely. Back to Oakwood Tire for a moment. Sure. Christmas car giveaway is coming up. Mm -hmm. Mike was going to look at a car, but if you're somebody out there that's got a car that you'd like to donate to the Christmas car giveaway, reach out to Mike Robertson, Oakwood Tire more. Okay. Now, it's got to be a car that's, you know, drivable yeah, that's, and that can be right. fixed up right, reasonably, right. And, mm -hmm. and somebody can get another year or two out of it. Okay. So right. then the Rat Rod Mac is out. No, that's, that's out. That's, out. that's, that's right. probably it. All right. All right. Well, <clears throat> I'm headed to Michelin Raceway, Road Atlanta, for the rest of the petite. 
Le Mans. Okay. Well, huh? good. I'm headed to the pasture. For mooing and mowing. For mooing and mowing. <laughs> Keep between the ditches, shiny side up. We'll see you next week right here at Bud's Garage on North Georgia's News Talk AM 550 and FM 102.9. WDUN. Have a great week and uh, stop and see us at Petit Le Mans. Okay. All right.